Shima Slim, 10 to 11 every weekday. WKXL Radio. We're back at it. Full slate of sports discussion. Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers going to the Milwaukee Bucks. I got thoughts on that. Play harder. Play harder. Giannis already plays as hard as he possibly can, dude. Doc Rivers to the box does not scare me in the least. In, la- it, 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 in fact, it makes me way more confident. The Milwaukee Bucks will not beat the Celtics in the playoffs. Zero chance. Write it down. I don't care what the odds are. I hope they play each other, and I will spend the whole week trash talking. Two weeks. It might be a sweep, so it might just go one week. Doc Rivers is exactly the wrong coach to coach the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm just going to tell everybody. Giannis motivates himself. Doc Rivers is not an X's and O's type of guy. He's a play harder, camaraderie. I like Doc Rivers. I like that message in today's day and age because most of these players don't play as hard as they need to in order to win. But Giannis does. You don't need somebody to drive him harder. So maybe they're bringing him in for Damian Lillard. I don't know. If Damian Lillard ain't already prepared to play as hard as he possibly can with this opportunity after being in that cesspool out in Portland with no chance to do anything for 10 years, if he already doesn't have that like intrinsic motivation level amped up, then you don't scare me, Damian Lillard. Write it down. You say, hang up my uh, words in, in, in your walls, in your homes. You can look at it all the time as motivation. You can't beat the Celtics. And apparently, Nikki Haley can't beat Donald Trump. <laughs> I'm the master of, uh, of transitions. <laughs> Anybody that wants to call 603-224-1450. Yes, you too can be live on the radio right now. WKXL Radio. 603-224-1450. I'm going to talk a bunch of sports, but just to wrap up the political stuff from yesterday. It was primary day in New Hampshire. I did a little bit of research here. Uh, because I'm curious, like, how many people actually turned out to vote? Can you glean anything or glean? What's the right word? <laughs> with the, anything from the data that we have? And what I found out is apparently, and this is all I'm pulling off a website, so hopefully it's all true. Record number of voters in New Hampshire Republican primary yesterday. More than 300,000 people voted as Republicans in the primary. Previous high was 287,000 and change from the year 2016. Now, I don't know if the population in New Hampshire has increased in those past eight years, and it didn't say in the, uh, in the article either. That's bad journalism right there. So I don't know if, you know, maybe there's just way more people in New Hampshire now, so there's more people voting. But more than 300,000 people voted in New Hampshire, uh, pro- Republican side of things yesterday. So here's what happened, the total breakdown. Uh, 109,000 votes in change uh, and that was with 93% of the vote in on the Democratic side of things. So Biden wins for the Democrat side of things with over 58,000 votes. Next in line was this Demo- uh, Dean Phillips guy. He had over 21,000 votes. There were over 14,000 write-ins, of which one was mine, uh, for the Democratic side of things. That's an interesting and kind of peculiar number. So the Democrat side of things, they had 14,000 write-ins. Very interesting. Over 109,000 total votes. I think the total, if I do quick math, probably somewhere around like 117,000 people voted on the Democratic side of things. So independents, you're choosing. On the Republican side of things, over 304,000 probably totals out to about 320,000, which is a record, like I mentioned. Trump has 165,000 votes. They're still counting. That's 93% of the vote in. So he'll end up with something like 175 or something like that. 
And Nikki Haley had 131,000, 165 to 131, where I have the numbers. In the end, it'll be 175, 140. So a lot of people went out to vote for Nikki Haley, no doubt about it. What I wanted to look at, though, is to say, you know, how many people that were independents switched over and went and voted Republican versus Democrat? Obviously, the independents did not go and vote in the independent. Uh, sorry, on the Democrat side of things. The independents voted on the Republican side. And I think that's exactly what everybody wanted. So we got what we wanted in New Hampshire, apparently. The public has spoken. That's all I care about. Majority rules. That's the way this whole thing is supposed to work with the voting. Public has spoken. They want to see Donald Trump run against Joe Biden. God bless us all. What do I want to see? I want to see the Michigan Wolverines coach Jim Harbaugh celebrating with his brother, John Harbaugh, who coaches the Baltimore Ravens. And I want to see them two celebrating together after the Baltimore Ravens win the Super Bowl. That's going to be the discussion next week, everybody. My brother David called me and let me know this the other day, right? Michigan Wolverines, they already won the national title. So Jim Harbaugh is a champion this year. Well, his brother coaches Baltimore. And I told you on Monday, I'm switching my pick, baby. John Harbaugh is my guy. The Baltimore Ravens, you open up your press conferences talking about prayer, the Bible, being nice to one another, focusing on a task at hand and expecting results. You got me. And so I haven't been a big John Harbaugh supporter through the years, mostly because I'm a Patriots guy. When we used to beat Baltimore and every now and then they'd beat us and they were just kind of dirty, cheap shot guys. I thought that defense has always walked a fine line. In fact, I think they still do. They could have gotten called for a cheap shot early in the game against Houston. Late hit out of bounds. The refs didn't call it. They swallowed the whistles. That's fine. Whatever. It's playoff football. Walk the line. But with the prayer stuff, maybe John Harbaugh's found himself. So you, you got you got a believer in me, my man. Baltimore's going to take out Kansas City, and then Baltimore's going to win it all. Unfortunately, I have all my bets on San Francisco. So uh, do I think San Francisco's going to get to the finals? Yes, I do. I think they'll play for the Super Bowl. San Francisco against Baltimore. You know what the odds are right now? I saw on our neighborhood gambling um, institution webpage, Baltimore to beat San Francisco. In the finals, the odds on that are plus 285. So people out there, if you don't know what that means, that means if you think the matchup in the Super Bowl is going to be Baltimore against San Fran and Baltimore is going to win, if you bet it today, you bet $10. If it wins, they'll give you back $38.50. Do you bet $100, you get back $385. That seems like a pretty decent bet. To me, Baltimore to beat San Fran. Almost 3-1. to one. My goodness. You know what else, from a betting standpoint, as we just kind of talk, cover that topic a little bit, I saw on the, uh, the webpage, Jaden Daniels is still 10-1 to one odds to be the number one overall pick. I don't understand this. Caleb Williams is minus 900, so you got to bet $10 pretty much to win a dollar that Caleb Williams is going to be the number one pick. Well, the Chicago Bears own the number one pick. They have Justin Fields. And what are they going to do? Oh, they're going to trade him. Okay, they're going to trade out of that number one pick. When you have Marvin Harrison Jr., a receiver who, by all accounts, is like uh, the best receiver coming out of the draft in, in years, maybe since Jamar Chase, I don't know. But everybody thinks this guy's a guarantee home run. So the Bears, 
who haven't done anything in years get a chance to get the very best wide receiver in the draft, and they're going to mess around with that? Okay. 10 to 1, 1 to 10. <laughs> I, I just don't, I don't understand if they still have the pick and the Chicago Bears go through their whole process and the evaluation start and nobody blows them away with any draft, uh, with any trade offers, you think the Bears are taking Caleb Williams? I think that's ridiculous. You know what that would tell everybody? That Justin Fields, you guys don't think he's very good. Well, we're not going to give you a big trade proposal. You think we're giving you multiple first-round picks for Justin Fields? You're telling us you don't think the guy's very good. You want another dude in college who actually wasn't even that good. Caleb Williams this past year. He certainly wasn't as good as the year before. You want a guy going in the wrong direction? That's what you're all amped up about? I, I kind of like my people to be getting better. You know what I mean? <laughs> like Jaden Daniels, people say, oh, he's older. You know, he's been around four years, five years in college. Was that? Was that? He's getting better. Watch the highlight reels of this guy throw the ball. Watch him run when like everybody's closing in on him and he just like a funnel just goes in between everybody and he's so much faster, outruns him. He would be instant excitement. That's why I want him on the Patriots. But I, I wonder if we're going to get a chance to draft him. The talk today is Jaden Daniels is expected to move up to the number two position and Drake May is sliding back. People are saying maybe Drake May, I think uh, Adam Schefter or one of these clowns out there <laughs> said that uh, Drake May is expected to go number three now because Jaden Daniels, people, the more they look at him, they're, they're, his stock is rising. I told people I have a $100 bet on him at like 85 to 1 odds on him to be the number one pick overall. So, yes, am I biased? Yes. Am I trying to influence some people's decisions out there? Yes. Maybe Chicago Bears general manager is listening to me talk and thinks he should you know, get rid of Justin Fields and instead draft Jaden Daniels. I'm down with that, my man. I think it's a good decision. You should do it. But if the Patriots get Jaden Daniels on this team, Next year, every single game, our fans will be glued to the television. That's what I'm here to tell you. I got more things I want to tell you as the show goes on today. The Sports Machine with Slim, New Hampshire's next generation sports talk radio show on WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, nhtalkradio.com. We got big Bruins game tonight. We'll talk about that when we come back. listening right now. Driving along in your car. Just happened to pop the dial into WKXL Radio. This is the Sports Machine with Slim. We got New Hampshire Sports Talk every weekday, 10 to 11. And I'd like somebody out there, if you like basketball, can you explain to me or to our audience what happened exactly last night with Chauncey Billups? And the Portland Trailblazers, as I referred to them, I think, earlier as a cesspool that Damian Lillard uh, got away from, uh, they choked away a game last night against Oklahoma City, but maybe it wasn't choked away. Maybe they had it stolen away from them. So if somebody has a strong take on that and what happened, apparently the Blazers are protesting the loss. I would love to hear from you, 603-224-1450. I got some other NBA talk 
I can wrap in. I want to focus this segment right here on the Bruins. we got a cool game tonight against Carolina. Only three more games, people, until the All-Star break. Hockey season's moving right along, and the Bruins just keep getting better and better and better. This is a real feel-good story, and the trade wins are going to be like hot and heavy. They're going to be blowing real heavy as we get closer to the trade deadline because the Bruins are only a piece or two away. And you know what that piece could be? It's just like a good luck. <laughs> We're that good. The Bruins just need whatever we need to have to happen to us for good luck. That's what we want to trade for. I don't care what the position is. Just get somebody in here who wants to help win and who's going to fit in nicely with the rest of the guys because we got all the pieces. I'm going to break down a little bit of the game with some stats. Before I do that, to just finish up on the political stuff, I got I got one story I wanted to share with everybody. I haven't told many people this through time, but I used to work for DraftKings. Well, I used to work for the Brook and the DraftKings facility for uh, legal sports betting within the Brook operation. And this was back when it first really got launched, when they first were able to take legalized gambling uh, in, in New Hampshire Shortly, a few mo- a month or two after it was approved, well, Chris Sununu, the governor of New Hampshire, had gone to the location, to the brook, and he was kind of doing like a kickoff, you know, like when you got a new boat, a big yacht, you're going to take the champagne bottle and you break it against the side of the, the yacht. It's like, hey, you know, it's, we're fit to sail. It's a great day. Well, Chris Sununu came into the facility. He was like, hey, you know, this is a nice gambling institution. Go ahead. Let's get the tax dollars in here and, and fantastic. Well, he ceremoniously comes down to the Brook betting area where he's going to place a wager. And this is fact. I'm there. Like, this is me telling the story because I was there. I was one of the two tellers there. Well, he comes walking down the stairs, and there's an entourage. There's people snapping pictures, and they're making a show of it. Well, he's going to come up and make a bet. I believe it was on the Patriots. I don't 100% remember. Um, he goes over to my counterpart, who's down a couple of, of you know, drawers from me at the other window. And I see, he's talking with his people, he goes and he steps up towards the window. Well, he reaches into his wallet and he takes out a credit card. And the cameras are all there on him. And I'm looking at this and go to myself like, this clown thinks he can use a credit card to make a bet in here. You can't use a credit card to make a bet, dude, in the DraftKings facility. I'm like, thinking to myself like, oh, that's going to be bad PR for him. That's not, that's not good. He doesn't want to have pictures snapped of that. His own governor of the state doesn't know you can't use a credit card to make a bet down here or, or whatever it was, a debit card, whatever. He wanted to use plastic. And I said, he steps up to the window, and before he goes to make the thing, he's about two steps away from the dude. He's probably seven, eight feet from me, nine feet from me across the table. Um, and I go, hey, you know you can't use a card for this, right? And he didn't, he didn't even see me. Like, he, he picks it and he, he pauses and he looks over and goes, you don't take credit cards? I, and I smile. I'm like, no. <laughs> this guy's making the laws for our state. He don't even know what he's doing. And you know why I mentioned this? Because he's out there backing Nikki Haley. And I just wanted to say, what a scam. That's the end of my political rant for today, people. Take that to the house. I hope he hears it. Uh, the Bruins are 29 8 and nine on the season. Carolina is 25, 15, and five. Good team. What's more important, the last 10 games. Listen to this for both of these people. The Bruins, six, one, and three. Six wins, one loss, three going to overtime, baby. 
Carolina, seven wins, two losses, one goes into overtime. So Carolina in their last 10 games, seven, two, and one. The Bruins have won five in a row. We got a clash. And this is what I'm talking about with the Celtics. Is like, I want to see their best games played against the best teams. I want both sides coming in, getting fired up. The Bruins did it last game when we played against Winnipeg. Winnipeg had beaten our rear ends 5-1 to one on the road when we went there in December. The Bruins come home, circle the wagons, whatever Chris Berman referenced there with the Buffalo Bills, which they didn't get done this weekend. Um, we beat Winnipeg 4-1. to one. Now, move forward. We got three more games till the All-Star break. We're playing Carolina tonight at Ottawa tomorrow. Then we play at Philadelphia to finish things out. This is the time, people. The Bruins have 67 points combined, just so you know, that 29-8-9 record. It's the best record in the NHL. They got 67 points. In the Eastern Conference, the next closest is 60 points. Florida and the Rangers both have 60 points. So the Bruins have opened up a wide lead. They're the number one seed. I mean, keep playing like this. We're going to be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Same as last year. Mitty was in the, sh- in the uh, studio yesterday with me, and he's talking about the Bruins and what are they going to do, what's going to happen. And uh, afterwards, my brother Dave talks to me on the phone, and I know there is a big game in Hampstead men's basketball tonight. Any of you guys out there listening, I will say Hampstead Jim's going to be hot tonight. Second round of the playoffs. Good luck to everybody out there. Coach Steve Tripodi came on did a WKXL spotlight. It was awesome. I appreciated that. I hope you uh, I have the best of luck this evening in your quest to take down the number one seed in the, uh, the league. That should be a good battle, everybody. But the Bruins are the number one seed, and I don't want anybody taking them down. We're going to just keep on steamrolling, baby, right into the playoffs. Mitty said, what have the Bruins been able to do in the last bunch of years here? They get to the playoffs, they have great regular seasons, and then they don't come through in the playoffs. And I said, you're absolutely right. This is terrible. Like, like it's, it's panic mode. The regular season doesn't matter at all. Well, my brother David called me yesterday. He goes, like, boy, you guys are being a little hard on the Bruins, don't you think? Like in the last 11 years, I think they've, they've won a Stanley Cup and they've been to the finals two other times. That's better than the Celtics. You were trashing the Bruins like more than the Celtics. But the Bruins actually have done better collectively, like record-wise and stuff like that. And I was like, huh, oh, boy. That's an interesting take. My brother Dave, he always comes up with good stuff on the radio, people. You can hear him right here. He's a, he's a valued sports talk radio caller on the Sports Machine with Slim, and that's a, that's a perfectly great take. The Bruins have had their runs and have, I mean, they haven't been a disappointment to us, even though that's what we kind of talked about yesterday. Last season, disappointment. And what I'm going to tell everybody for tomorrow's show, I'm flipping the page in my notebook right now, Thursday, Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do some hardcore research on this Jim Montgomery cat. That's the name of the Bruins coach, isn't it? <laughs> I know it's Montgomery. I'm pretty sure it's Jim. I like the first name. I got to say that right, right there. I do like the first name. I'm pretty sure it's Montgomery. Last year it was his first year as coach, in, the coach of the Bruins. We had the best regular season record of all time in the NHL. That's pretty good. Then you come in. You get your toe stubbed, right, <laughs> against Florida in that first round. But Florida went on to go to the Stanley Cup, right? They were the team that got beat up by, by Las Vegas. And Las Vegas last year just was an absolute machine, 
watching them. Like I was afraid for teams playing them. They were just so big and strong and fast. Like I don't know how anybody was going to beat that team. I don't know how that team isn't a favorite for this year. Like I don't know enough about the NHL. Maybe I'll ask Thomas if he comes on tomorrow, our hockey expert who has five years of NHL experience and is you know coming on the airwaves usually once a week here to give his take on the Bruins and kind of keep me grounded with my expectations and my predictions and my insanity and stuff like that. He, he comes in with a more tempered tone, but he gives good, good knowledge. I'm going to ask him if he knows much about the Las Vegas team and why people wouldn't think they're just going to get ready in the playoffs. Like, this is the thing. When you're a winner, you just, like, know you're going to win and you just turn it on come playoff time. Like Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan back in the day, they had runs when, yeah, they had like one of the greatest regular season runs of all time. But they also had years where, you know, they didn't have the best record in the regular season, but they knew they were going to win in the playoffs. And they did. But when you have a regular season success and then a complete failure in the playoffs, Something about your confidence level, like, that's tough. Can I really perform when the money's on the line? I don't know. The Bruins, your whole regular season this year is about wiping that away. You know. I know it. Our listeners know it. The fans of New England know it. The Bruins can do it all this year, baby. And so can the Celtics. Let's talk about them when we come back here on The Sports Machine with Slim on WKXL Radio. It's 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. This is nhtalkradio.com I've got a favor out there to ask to the listening audience People that text me or call me with suggestions on the show and feedback on the show. I would like to know, what do you want to hear on a day-to-day basis here in the show as far as, like, interviews go? Is there somebody you'd like to have me get on the air? With my podcast that I had done a couple of years back, I know I had Sean Grandy on, who's the voice, the radio voice of the Boston Celtics. I had an awesome back-and-forth discussion with him and I'm, I think I'm going to reach back out and see if maybe I can get him on the airwaves here. But I'm wondering if there's somebody out there that's a realistic target. I know over the course of the last two months I've said, I want David Ortiz and I want Tom Brady. Those are like my goals. Those are out there. In fact, I ought to write those down because they are more likely to uh, happen. Your goals are much more likely to occur if you write them down. It's a scientifically proven fact. If you want something to happen in your life, it's a goal you're going to work towards. Write it down. They did a research study at Harvard years ago where like 100 students or something when they graduated, they had people writing them down, people that didn't. The ones that wrote it down, the percentage that actually achieved those goals when they looked at it 10 years later was off the charts. It was like 95% compared to 5% or something ridiculous. I don't really know the numbers. I'm making it up. Let's not get lost in the details, people. Just uh, trust me. If you want to accomplish some goals, write them down. I have a goal I'd like to talk with you about or something that I'm accomplishing, I guess, and I will do that in the next segment. But here with the callers, if you've got somebody you think is a good target for us to get on the show to interview, I would like to know that. I think old-timers that used to play for the Bruins would be a great, great guest. Whether they come in the studio or if they call, I want to hear what the old-timers have to say. I'm a big fan of listening to the 
the older generation and wanted to know what they know. When it comes to the NBA, what I know is they will be extremely disappointed in some of the effort levels that teams are putting in. As I look at the scoreboard from last night in the NBA, I mean, the big stories I already told you, Doc Rivers to the Bucks, Hor- Horrible, absolutely horrible hire. But w- w- just let's move past that. New Orleans last night wins 153 to 124 against the Utah Jazz. And I, I have written here WTF. Like that, I have no, how does a team give up 153 points? In an NBA game. Like, I just don't understand this. They're not trying on defense. Utah Jazz, they're not trying at all. And I can't understand why the heck they're not. Like, this is your job. You need to get to get fired up and get in there and play. Don't you love to play basketball, guys? Apparently not, because they're, they're cool with losing 153 to 124. The Nuggets, hot off their defeat of the hometown Boston Celtics there last Friday night in a must-win game that the Celtics lost. The Nuggets go and they take out Indianapolis, Indi- Indiana, 114-109. to 109. Nuggets are the champs, man. When you're the champ, that mentality is just there and it's tough to knock you off the totem pole. That's why I wanted the Celts to knock them down. You knew Nuggets were coming in here. They're all jacked up and they took care of business against the Celts, so we got some work to do. I mentioned the Blazers protesting the loss against Oklahoma City. So from my standpoint, here's what I've seen on the replays. Portland's up by one. It's an end-of-game situation. Our old friend, what the heck is his name? The dude um, we traded for. He was on the Celtics last year, and now he's from Indiana. What is his name? Malcolm Brogdon. He's dribbling up the court. He kind of gets stuck. Yeah, near half court in the corner. You never want to pick up your dribble there. You never want to dribble there in the first place. But anyway, he has the ball. He gets like there. He gets double teamed. The ref is looking at the double team, but the seconds are ticking down off the clock. Well, Chauncey Billups comes out to half court, and he's like, time out, time out. As any coach would look to do when your player is being double teamed in an end-of-game situation. Like, you know, if you're a ref, you need to understand this. Well... They don't give Chauncey Billups the timeout, and Malcolm Brogdon travels. Well, Chauncey Billups is enraged. He's all fired up, and he's, he's, I don't know if he starts swearing or what he does, but he starts yelling, and uh, he's like talking to the ref, like, dude, I'm trying to go all timeout. You're not giving me a timeout. Do you have any clue what you're doing? Uh, technical. <laughs> so they tee him up, right, which even it makes it so much worse. The ref, here's the deal. And I haven't heard anybody say this yet. I don't know if it is the talk on morning shows here, but you got three NBA refs in the game. Okay, my whole life I grew up maximum two refs. I coach uh, first and second grade basketball. I ref the game last week all by myself. It's not that hard, first and second graders. I'm just running down the court one end. Go to that baseline, all the way. I sneak through the traffic, try and get around the fence, down to the other end. I'm watching if the ball goes out of bounds because that's the key thing. In the NBA, if you ref, hopefully you've been around the game of basketball like a little bit, at least, in your lifetime. Okay, a little bit you've been around. There's three paid professional referees watching the game. The NBA's conclusion post game is, well, the ref that was near the double team was focused on the double team. And he didn't see Chauncey Billups directly behind him or hear him. The stadium's probably loud. Here's my question. 
What about the other two refs? What are the other two refs there for? What are they watching? Do they not understand the game of basketball either? Are they that clueless that they're just kind of hanging out? What are they watching to see if there's an off-the-ball foul like 20 yards away? There's 10 seconds left. The time's clicking down. There's a half-court trap going on up there. You know that's where all the action is. You could see Chauncey Billups. I, I don't blame Chauncey Billups for being upset. And what I'm going to do for people is read from the article I see on ESPN. In response, Billups reacted angrily to what he believed was a failure to honor his timeout request. He was assessed two technical fouls, including a second after marching onto the floor to argue, and ejected in the final seconds of the game. We've got timeouts, Billups said afterward. Referees usually are prepared for that. You know, that instance, that situation. I'm in half court trying to call a timeout. It's just frustrating. My guys played too hard for that. It's a frustrating play. And and I'm down with that, Chauncey Billups. If you're going to get a a technical, that's the time. That's the place to do it. Yes, the game was potentially on the line, but he's absolutely right. Those refs have no clue what's going on. And... It winds me back to about three weeks ago when Jalen Brown rose up for a game-tying shot on the baseline. There was a game-winning, actually. I don't remember. But he definitely got fouled in the head, and the refs looked at the review even afterwards and overturned it and said he didn't get fouled. When it's clear, he got nailed right in the head. How could you make that call? I wonder sometimes if these refs have bets on the outcome of games. That's the most professional way I could possibly say it. Because some of these calls they make, that's the only justifiable conclusion to see what goes on out there. The referee in the slot position was refereeing the double team that was right in front of him, which makes it difficult for number one to hear and number two to see a coach request a timeout behind him. This is crew chief Bill Kennedy said Billups, as to why uh, the timeout was not granted. He is taught to referee the play until completion, which a double dribble happens, and he correctly calls the double dribble, and then pursuant to that, the technical fouls come forward. As I said earlier, what about the other two refs? What are they doing? Do they care in the outcome of the game? No, they're just thinking about their dinner plans afterwards, baby. Whatever, we can move forward from that. The Celtics play at the Heat tomorrow, and we're going to have a good show tomorrow for you. We'll talk Bruins' result from tonight's game against Carolina. We'll preview the Ottawa game tomorrow night. The Bruins get back-to-back, but the Celtics, I need to do laundry tonight. What does that have to do with all of this? My Scary Terry shirt is in the laundry. I need to get that sucker out and washed so I can wear it tomorrow. Scary Terry. Terry Rozier has been traded to the Miami Heat. Wow. For Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry makes a ton of money, so whatever the fillers are to make up for all that stuff. Kyle Lowry gets traded, moved away from Miami Heat over to for Terry Rozier, who's having a great year. I saw he's averaging 23-plus points a game. That guy, I always loved him, man. That's why I had that Scary Terry shirt. And I still remember the best thing about that Scary Terry shirt. I was at um, Boston Calling, which is a big concert in Boston that they do every year around, like the May time frame. And there was a big line lined up to get into the show. Well, me and my wife were there, and there was like a special, 
I don't know if it was a high roller <laughs> entrance, but there was some special entrance, and there was a guy out near the front of it, and he looks at me, he goes, Scary Terry? Come on in. Come on and he let me cut the whole other row. He must have been a Celtics fan. And nobody wears Scary scary Terry uh, t-shirts, but I do. And I will be wearing it tomorrow as we preview the Miami Heat-Boston Celtics game. I hate the Miami Heat. They beat us all the time. They've cost me tons of money in the playoffs. So we'll see what I have to uh, say tomorrow. We'll also see what I have to say, say here in the uh, fourth segment coming up. The Sports Machine with Slim on WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101 FM in Manchester. NHTalkRadio.com is where you can go to uh, listen live and for all past shows to download. We'll be right back. On the interweb, has been Bill Belichick been named the uh, head coach of the Buffalo Bills yet? If I could just make that prediction here, speaking into the universe, potentially for the first time on the radio. I don't know who else out there is talking right now, but maybe they've already said this, or maybe they're currently thinking it or about to say it. But I haven't heard it anywhere. I will tell you, the Buffalo Bills have to make a change at the head coaching position. They have to. I told you yesterday um, that decision to just kind of play slow down game, like, okay, we got the field goal no matter what. Let's just make sure that Kansas City doesn't get the ball back. The way they were going, hurry up the whole drive, and then they slow things down as we head towards the two-minute warning, and they let like the last 30-something seconds go off the clock, and their players just left standing around kind of, oh, okay. Oh, here's what we're doing. And they take the deep breath because they've been all jacked up as they're going all the way down the field. That was a long drive that they had. And they're, okay, let's go. We're focused. And then they just break that focus. And the moment of relaxation happens mentally. And then you have the two-minute warning and everybody's totally relaxed. And then you try to come back from that and you just can't get the engine started because at the end of a game where you've been pouring your guts out for two and a half hours, three hours, you got to stay amped up. You can't just put your foot on the brake and then expect to hit the acceleration and get right back into it after five to ten minutes. And just the biggest thing is mentally. It's not just physically. It's mentally. He let his foot off the gas, thinking they're going to be playing for overtime. Don't give Kansas City the ball back. Well, it was the total wrong decision. And guess what? Bass misses the field goal because that's what happens when you play scared, you coach scared, your players in the end get impacted by it. If Bill Belichick was coaching that Buffalo Bills team, that stuff would not have happened. And trust me, the ownership over there is looking and thinking about the results of that game. Buffalo, you just want to roll it back again? Like, we asked this of the Cowboys, and we know the Cowboys fans don't just want to roll it back again because Mike McCarthy isn't getting the job done. Well, the Sean McDermott cat is not getting it done in Buffalo either. And you got Josh Allen, and I know we've had opinions on here. Maybe he's not the man. Maybe he's not a winner. But he is good. He is good. And if he's coached by a coach who's a winner, maybe they can win. So my gut says Bill Belichick, who's been on the coaching you know, news here, we're interviewing with Atlanta two times. Well, why hasn't he gone there yet? Why hasn't he already made a decision? Maybe there's another job that's going to open up somewhere. Buffalo just lost on Sunday. 
You get a couple days of grieving time. Evaluation. I could easily see an announcement coming today that McDermott's being let go. I, in fact, I, I, I'm very strongly hinting and predicting it, that he'll be let go. And if Bill Belichick's hands are untied as far as where he can go, if he can go and coach within the division, if that's not seen as a total slap in the face to, to Robert Kraft, or if Belichick does, does, doesn't even care what it's taken as, if he's got the freedom, I believe he will go and become the next coach of the Buffalo Bills. So let's just see if that prediction happens. That's my take. What's going to happen this weekend in the NFL? Does my prediction matter anything? Probably not. I mean, let's just be honest. My, my picks have not been stellar. And I, I'm telling you one thing, for seven weeks, the San Francisco 49ers are going to win it all. And then after last weekend, I switched my, my mind. The weather apparently is, is forecasted to be nice in San Francisco. I thought I saw rain Saturday, or I heard rain Saturday, and maybe even rain like Monday, Tuesday. But Sunday's supposed to be nice. Now, today is Wednesday, so we all know. what Those weather predictions are probably useless. What am I even talking about it for? But if it's raining out there, Brock Purdy, obviously, he's got a problem throwing in the rain. Small hands. You know what they say about guys with small hands? I don't either. But I, I, I do know they say they can't throw a football in the rain. And whether they're wearing gloves or not, Brock Purdy, last week, I mean, how could I, in, in all seriousness, how could I predict San Francisco is going to win the Super Bowl this year after that effort? That was pitiful what he did. They barely came back and beat Green Bay. Green Bay, yes, played a great game. And yet Debo Samuel got hurt at the beginning, which is obviously just a you know, mind uh, mess for anybody in that organization because he keeps getting hurt. And it's something you got to overcome each time mentally when one of your best players and a tough guy, because Debo Samuel is a bad man, not just like from a talent standpoint, but from a mentality standpoint in the games. You can tell like he's not afraid to get things done. He wants the ball. He wants the contact. But then he goes and gets hurt. And when you're doing that every single year, it's like, oh, not this guy, not this again. Oh, no. Well, that happened at the beginning of the game last week with San Fran Green Bay. So that's another big thing they overcame. Is Debo going to play this weekend? I don't know. I mean, at this point, I, honestly, I don't think it really matters. From a talent standpoint, the San Francisco 49ers defense, they're just too tough and too good. And Detroit, for as great a season they've had, and Dan Campbell's been doing a heck of a job, this decision on Sunday or Saturday, uh, no, Sunday, I'm sorry. Do people know about this? I mean, it was a story on ESPN yesterday as I was watching through it. And I said, could that possibly be real? Do people know? And this was like, it's three days later, so I, there's no reason for me in, to be infuriated. Do, but do people know that at the end of that Tampa Bay-Detroit game, when Baker Mayfield had the ball back and trying to drive his team down the field, and they're down by eight, so it's just one possession. And Baker Mayfield throws the interception. Gives the ball to Detroit with a minute 43 seconds, I believe. No, minute 33 seconds left in the game. Everybody's like, oh, the, you know, the game's over. It wasn't over. Detroit came on the field, snapped the ball with a minute 33, first down. Snapped the ball with a minute six left, second down. Snapped the ball on third down with 34 seconds left. Tampa Bay still had a timeout and didn't call it. 
Todd Bowles, who I was on the airwaves two days ago, preaching how I like this guy, and I and I do, but dude, how can you not call a timeout? Like I already thought the game was over. You know why? Anybody with two, you know, a brain in between their two ears would know if you're Detroit. Well, you just drag each play out. You take a couple steps back. You take a knee. There's three seconds. Now let the whole play clock go down. 39 seconds, 40. You do that for three downs, the game's over. But Detroit didn't do that. They just got up to the line and they snapped the ball like 13 seconds on the clock. This time, 14 seconds left on the on the play clock. That time, Tampa Bay could have stopped the ball. Just could have stopped the clock with 30-some-odd seconds left. And Detroit would have had to try a 49-yard field goal, which... Maybe they would have won. If it, maybe they would have made. And if it goes and it's good, well, then you're down by 11. Okay, then the game's over. But 49-yard field goals? Are those all of a sudden, like, guarantees? We see kicks get, like, blocked and returned for touchdowns on the regular. Like, that happens a handful of times during the regular season. What, what was Todd Balls thinking? Like, it's cool for me to be watching TV and be just – half paying attention and not caring. But what is he thinking? And for this weekend, what was Dan Campbell thinking for Detroit? And he says afterwards, yeah, well, we didn't handle that well. You didn't handle that well? You, you could have given the other team the game, dude. What if Tampa Bay calls timeout, 33 seconds left, you line up, kick a field goal, it misses. Now Tampa Bay has the ball on the 39-yard line, 40-yard line, and there's 27 seconds left. What if Tampa Bay had gone down, scored a touchdown, complete, complete the two-point conversion, convert the two-point conversion afterwards? It's a tie game. Tampa Bay goes on to win. Can you imagine what would have been talked on the Sports Talk radio airwaves and on ESPN and every channel that following day, that night? It, we'd still be talking about the ineptitude. But nobody's talking about it because I had like changed a channel. I had been rooting for Tampa Bay. And when they threw that pick, I was like, okay, the game's over. Just do the quick math and you had, okay, yeah, game's over. No, it was. I was only half watching the NFL coaches, both of them, were only half watching the game too? What? Can you imagine if Belichick was on the opposite side of Dan Campbell there? He's like just walking around, guy, oh, nice job. He's slapping high fives with people like saying, hey, thanks, good season. And meanwhile, Dan Campbell has Jared Goff out there snapping the ball early. And then Belichick, oh, he's just pretending he's looking the other direction. And then all of a sudden, the third down play gets hiked. And Jared Goff takes the kneel. And Belichick is going out pulling a Chauncey Billups, running to midfield. Time out, time out, time out. He's like just baited the other coach into being wicked dumb. It's like that's what happened. We had a dumb face off. These two guys together. I can't believe that that actually happened. I, I was in disbelief as I as I read the story yesterday. I was like, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. There's no. Oh, my God. That's what really happened. Tampa Bay could have gotten the ball back, and they didn't call timeout. It's a head scratcher. It's like, what is going on out here? If you're listening to the show right now, I know you're wondering, what is going on in this world right now? We got some serious problems. Serious. And we'll try to fix them, I guess, tomorrow on the Sports Machine with Slim. We'll, uh, we'll talk about the Bruins, and we'll preview the Celtics playing Miami and Gary Terry. That's got to be his first game. Welcome back, my man. I hope we meet in the playoffs, Gary Terry. 
This is WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, nhtalkradio.com. Happy hump day. Enjoy Wednesday out there, everybody. <laughs>